I hope everybody's having a good day. We've got some beautiful weather. We've got some beautiful people. And uh, we've got a God who loves us enough to give us His Son to die on a cross for our sins. That's a recipe for a good day, isn't it? Um, I'm going to make a couple of announcements and then we're going to get rolling this morning. Um, the last Sunday night of the month has uh, been devoted to our kids and it will be again tonight. So if you've got a little one, uh, bring that little one with you tonight at 6 o'clock and let's sing some of those songs and uh, have a good time with our kids and, and teach them on a level maybe that they can better understand. So keep that in mind. And then two, uh, I wanted to mention to you that uh, something that Larry already mentioned, you know, that every first Sunday of the month is a potluck meal for the Tri-County Church. And uh, one of the things we've started doing several years ago is trying to get out of this building uh, as a church family and into the community. Uh, and we've been going to the park for years now, and that's always a whole lot of fun. Our kids play, uh, get the lawn chairs out. I guess we're doing finger foods this next go-round. But really that's an opportunity maybe to invite some folks that might not walk into the church building, might not feel comfortable doing that, uh, to come spend some time with us uh, in maybe a less threatening kind of setting. So be thinking about who you're going to invite next Sunday night uh, to uh, Finger Food Fellowship Fun at the Park. All right. Uh, the other announcement I want to make is that our trip to the Yucatan is sneaking up on us really quickly. Uh, we're going to be headed down to the Yucatan Peninsula June 23rd which is a Thursday, and then we'll be there through the 30th, which is another Thursday. Uh, Tri-County has been going for 10 years or so to the Yucatan Peninsula to worship with and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ in those churches that we visit, and then also to uh, kind of give them a boost to um, keep doing what they're doing, spreading the gospel. So uh, keep this in mind. Uh, we take up a contribution uh, for this trip to feed families in uh, villages that have uh, just next to nothing. David Bennett prayed this morning during our prayer for the contribution that God gives us consistently more than we need. And he does, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Um, I don't think I need to remind you, but I will, that everyone sitting in this auditorium this morning is richer than about 95% of the world. And so we have an opportunity to share uh, the more than that God gives us, the, the extra, the overflow. And uh, this is always a, a great opportunity. These people are incredibly thankful, and they praise God because of your sacrifice. So uh, we'll be taking up a contribution, I'm sure, within the next month or so. And, and uh, just ask that you keep that in mind and be praying about it. Okay? We have been talking for the last two weeks now about the subject of intervention. Um, I don't know how well you remember. If you haven't been uh, with us the last couple of weeks, we, we this started for me because of a television program and, and then led into my work at Valley Hope. And uh, It's really interesting for me these days to see uh, a Valley Hope layer and a, and a Tri-County layer and just how things play off of one another. And uh, Anyway, we talked about what an intervention staged by God might look like. Uh, I've started the last two sermons with this question. What would an interv intervention staged by God look like? And then we have talked about men uh, in whose lives God has intervened. Men like Jonah. Men like Job. Men like Balaam 
And then in a, a little different way, God used a man uh, last week that we looked at named Phineas to intervene in the lives of his people, the Israelites. Two weeks ago, uh, when I first started this little mini-series of sermons, I asked the question, what would an intervention staged by God look like? My brother JT answered it. Uh, I didn't engage with him then uh, because I knew I was going to be preaching this sermon and I didn't want to steal my own thunder. Um, but uh, let, let me pause and say here just for a second that it's, it's interesting to me. I, I get, you know, I've grown up kind of at Tri-County as a preacher. And uh, I'm asked on occasion to preach in other places. And I will ask a question fully expecting a response. And, and people think I'm asking those questions rhetorically. And so I'll wait. And people will look at me and then they'll kind of start to fidget and say, you know, he's not really wanting us to say anything, is he? Uh, I really believe that that we learn better, that material cements itself in our minds and in our hearts when we engage with one another. So when I ask questions, I expect answers from this crowd. You got it? Okay. Uh, but that Sunday morning, I didn't engage with JT, and ordinarily I would have. You might have thought I was blowing you off, JT. I'm sorry. It hurt your feelings. Yeah. This is where we were headed long, uh, all along. Okay, I asked the question, what would an intervention staged by God look like? Brother JT answered it. The, uh, the answer to that question, what would an intervention staged by God look like? The, the clearest answer, the most obvious answer, the, the best answer to that question is Jesus Christ. This is what an intervention staged by God looks like. We can talk all day long about men like Jonah and Job and Balaam. We can talk about those guys heading down a, a path of destruction, needing intervention. But you and I are no different, are we? So God sent His Son. Like Phineas before him, Jesus intervened in the lives of humanity and the plague that had descended upon us because of our sinfulness was stopped. But that's not all he did. I want to show you something this morning, and you're really going to have to hang with me because this is somewhat of a delicate balance between two words, both of which I'm sure you'll be familiar with. The first of which is intervene, that we've been talking about all along. The definition for that word intervene literally just means to come between or to be between two persons or things that are at odds with one another. To intervene means you get in the middle of a fight of some kind, right? I can remember, uh, I, don't, I don't know how many fights are, I don't, I don't know how many school fights there are these days, but when I was a kid there was a lot of them. That's how we settled things. Uh, we didn't go home and wind to mama. Uh, we duped it out on the playground. You know, that's how things were settled. Uh, my mom was a teacher for years and years and years. And uh, she started teaching uh, eighth grade math, and, and that's where her teaching career ended, and then she got into counseling. But my mom would, would say on occasion that some of those eighth graders um, were bigger than she was, you know. And so she would try to intervene in these fights 
that they'd get into in the hallways and wouldn't be able to get these boys apart. And so what my mom did instead, um, she started carrying her key ring with her everywhere she went. And she tried, tied a, a shoelace onto the end of it. And those boys would be dicking it out, and she would swing her keys and try to hit them in the hands. And they'd send her to jail for that today, wouldn't they? Uh, but that's how she was breaking up fights. Uh, that's how she would intervene. Okay, so we've been talking about intervention, and, and I think we kind of have that idea in our heads now, for, having had for the last couple of weeks. Here's the, the other word I want you to consider this morning. Intercede. To intercede means to act as a mediator in a dispute to plead on someone else's behalf. The two words are related, sure, right? They both mean at, at points to come between. But there's a subtle difference that, that I want to address this morning. What's the difference between these two words, intervene and intercede? <clears throat> intervene, again, means to come between two parties. And to intercede means to plead on someone's, on one of those parties' behalf. And so I, I'd like to illustrate this for you this morning. Um, I need some volunteers. Karis wants to volunteer. Karis, I need one of your brothers here. Then this would work. Anybody want to volunteer? I just need two. Karis, come here. We need pick a brother. Look at all these young gentlemen right here. Pick one of these out to be your brother this morning. See any you like? <laughs> I didn't think so. And I don't blame you because I know these boys. Caleb, come here a sec, would you? Caleb can be your brother. You come on this side. All right, those of us that have kids this age, uh, we know what it means to intervene, don't we? Um, if, well, I guess I have a daughter here. Creed, it doesn't really matter which of his sisters. Um, he, uh, he is more than willing to go to battle there, and we have to intervene at times. And so let's say these two are in a fight. Karis, put your dukes up. Don't hit him, because I know how you hit, you hurt. And you're trying to push her away like this, and you know you guys are getting after it, right? You know how this works. You do this with Landon all the time, don't you? Okay. You ever have to whoop Cade? Yeah, I thought so. And so as a parent, my job is to do what? To intervene, to come between them. Okay, and and again, I, th I think we understand that. But now that I'm between them, I have to intercede, and that means I have to choose which of these two is, is right. I'm on Karis's side this morning. Okay, <laughs> and so to the other party, I'm going to say, "Hang on, it's okay. We're going to work it out. Don't be too mad. Karis is still a good girl. We still love her. It's going to be okay." That's what intercession looks like, right? Okay, thank you, Karis. I'm seat. Thanks, Caleb, for my illustration. Here's the beautiful thing about those two words, intervene and intercede. Okay? Again, just to, to make sure we've got it in our heads. If, if intervening is confrontation, saying, you guys cut it out, then interceding is reconciliation, saying, all right, now let's come back and work it out. Here's the beautiful thing about these two words and about this idea. Jesus did both. Right? You and I were enemies of Almighty God because of our sinfulness. Do we understand that? 
God in his sense of holy justice said, I can't have relationship with you so long as you are hell-bent on separating yourself from me due to your sinfulness. We were separated. We were at odds with one another. We were enemies of the cross. And so Jesus did what? He intervened. He said, God, just hang on a second. He said, humanity, just be patient. Wait right there. But that wasn't enough. After intervening, Jesus then interceded. On whose behalf? The wrong ones. Jesus then turns to God and says, give them some time. The justice you need to execute on, on humanity, I'll take it. He intervened in our lives and then he consistently intercedes for us before Almighty God. He descended from heaven to intervene in our lives, coming between our sinfulness and God's holy justice, and then he ascended back into heaven to intercede on our behalf, mediating between us and God. And I want you to see this in a, in a text. This is a, a powerful text that will be familiar to you. Turn to Romans chapter 8, if you would please. I'm going to read verses 31 through 39. Again, I, I think this will be familiar to you. Romans chapter 8. Verses 31 through 39. And when you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand um, in honor of the Word of God being read to you. Romans 8, beginning in verse 31. Okay, before I read this, let me just say to you, this is God speaking, right? the creator of heaven and earth, he who is responsible for your salvation is about to talk to you through his word. Listen to what he says. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let that sink in a second. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also doing what? Interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation we will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen to that. Have a seat. I want you to look intently at verse 34 in this text. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 34. I'm going to pick up um, a sentence into it. 
But, but here's what I want you to be thinking about. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now we know why Christ Jesus died, do we not? Why? For our sins. He intervened in the course of, of the human experience and said, God, hang on. Humanity, wait right there. That's why he died. Jesus Christ on the cross was an act of intervention. Death couldn't hold on to him. He broke the chains off of sin, death, and hell. He rose from the dead on the third day and ascended back to his rightful place in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God so that he can constantly be in God's ear interceding on our behalf. It wasn't enough for Jesus Christ to break up the fight that we had started with God because of our sinfulness. He wants to make it right. He wants to bridge the gap between us and holy God and intervene and then intercede on our behalf. Is that good news? I tell you folks, I I don't know that it gets any better than that. You know, I, I think a lot of the times that, at, at least in my life and my experience, I, I can I can get behind that intervention. I know that my sin put me at odds with my God, and I know that Jesus' death on the cross solved that, fixed that. But there are so many times in my life when I don't go that next step and remember where Jesus is now. You know what I mean? I preached a sermon at Easter this year, and, and I said then that when we think about Christianity, when we think about the sim- symbolism of Christianity, we think about a cross most of the time, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the thrust of that Easter sermon was, we've got to make the move from the cross to the empty tomb. Because we are just as dependent upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we are on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Right? We've got to make that next step now. We've got to see Jesus ascended to heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. Because if he's not there, who's interceding on our behalf? I like to think that when God thinks about me, he smiles. Certainly that's not always the case. I do lots of things to disappoint my Father in Heaven. I rarely think that God is preparing judgment or condemnation for me. I've grown past that. But I've been thinking this week as I've been working on the difference between intervention and intercession, that occasionally that may be the case. God doesn't laugh away sin. 
God doesn't say, well, I'll get them next time. When we head off on our own and become rebellious as children of God, we very quickly, like Jonah, like Job, like Balaam before us, are headed down a path that ends ultimately in death and destruction. But then Jesus intercedes. And he says, I know you're frustrated. I know, God, you're disappointed. I know you wish they could do better. But remember, your justice was executed on me. Remember, when you look at these people, you don't see sinfulness. You see the blood of a spotless lamb. You see perfection. Not because of what they've done, but because of what I've done for them. We need Jesus to intervene, do we not? But we also need Jesus to intercede. And I'm telling you folks, you know, the last, I don't know, three or four months worth of sermons that I've preached, they've, they've kind of had a, a, a mission overtone to them a little bit. And, and there's a purpose behind that. Last week we talked about Phineas intervening in the lives of the Israelites. Remember that sermon? One spear, double homicide right there. Um, Phineas intervened in the lives of the Israelites. And, and the, this world out here, uh, again, I'm not recommending you take up spears and put an end to sinfulness. That's, that's not what we're after. But this world out here that stands opposed to God, he wants to use us, his church, to intervene in their lives. I fully believe that. But then he wants us to go the next step, just like his son did, and intercede on their behalves. Not that you and I can make anyone holy, but you know what we can do? We can go to God in prayer. And we can say, don't hold the sin against them. Give them some time, God. Give me some opportunity to share with them what I've learned, what my experience has been with you. Allow me the opportunity to, to be like my Savior before me, Jesus Christ, and intercede on their behalves. Be patient, God. Be willing to, to accept their repentance, their confession. Save them as you use Jesus to save me. Can we do that? I'll tell you the truth. Um, Tri-County has taken some hits in the last couple of years. Um, we've had a, a lot of our folks who were crucial to who we are as a church family move away. Um, some of our family have gone on ahead of us and are uh, holding our spot in heaven along with Jesus. We've suffered some losses. And I, I think occasionally it's, it's easy to fall into the trap of 
um, being discouraged because of those things. You know, we're just wondering where people are. Wondering, you know, we've we've had some people move, we've had some people pass, we've had some people quit. Rather than being discouraged, rather than than taking those losses personally, we ought to be fired up to get back to work in this community, to intervene and then to intercede on behalf of those who are not walking in the light that God has provided through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering if we're serious about that. I'm wondering if wondering if I'm wasting my time talking about it. This is our mission in life. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God has provided the means of intervention, Jesus Christ. And then He's turned that work over to us, His church, saying, intervene in the lives of humanity. But make sure your hearts are engaged to such an extent that you're willing to go to bat for those folks and intercede on their behalf. That's who we ought to be. That's my challenge to us as a church body this morning. Come between God's sense of holy justice and the sinfulness of humanity. Intervene in somebody's life. And then help Jesus intercede and plead their case to Almighty God for the salvation of their souls. Are you in? Pray with me. God, I feel like uh, the world is darker today than maybe it ever has been before. Sin that that once was embarrassing is now celebrated. And and God, I just don't think that the world's going to get any holier on its own. You sent your Son... Uh, to intervene in our lives. And even now, He intercedes on our behalves. But God, I truly believe You want us to join Him. To come between who you are as holy and pure and perfect and and in the name of Jesus Christ to declare peace with those who are far off, who are separated from you because of their sin. 
and then God to, to take that next step and intercede and, and to beg you for their salvation. I don't do enough of that. Either one, intervening or interceding. And so I pray this morning that if intervention needs to be had between the folks sitting in this room and you, that that it happens. That that maybe some of the texts that we've read, maybe maybe some of the things we've talked about this morning, will convince those sitting here who are convicted of their sinfulness that things need to be made right. But God, I want uh, I want to devote myself to interceding. I pray for those in this world who have not signed the peace treaty that was written in the blood of Jesus Christ. I pray for those who scoff at the notion of intelligent design, of a creator of heaven and earth. I pray for those God who bow down to other gods, false gods that cannot save. I pray for your church because I think your church needs as much intervention and intercession as the world does sometimes. I pray for myself. Because I make mistakes and I screw up and I get selfish. It's not who I want to be. For any and all who are separated from you this morning, God, please give them time. Time to rethink. Time to reevaluate. Time to reconsider. Use your church as you used your son Jesus to intervene and to intercede so that all men might be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God, we love you. Jesus Christ, thank you. Thank you for coming between. Thank you for pleading our case. Keep it up because we need it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that, Kyle, that message. Let's, uh, let's be standing and sing one more song before we, uh, we go out into the world, okay? <laughs>